today our guest is Goldie Freeman. Welcome, Goldie. Hi, Lily. (laughs) So, Goldie and I found about a year ago that we're actually related. Our ancestors come from the same little town in Poland called Zelachow. And um, we found that out over dinner at Goldie's house. So, that was a really wonderful, wonderful surprise. Yeah, it was an amazing coincidence that the conversation came up about and then we realised that we were actually related, which we had no idea whatsoever. Yeah, And you and Ellen had just come back from a trip to Poland, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yes. And I was just thinking, what a shame we hadn't connected and actually found out before. But it's all good, and we'll talk a bit more about that. Now, you're married to Alan Freeman, who is Correct. actually a radio host here on Jay Air. Yes, he is. Now, I knew Alan years and years ago before he became in his first uh, first instance a pharmacist mm-hmm. <laughs> we used to hang out while we, while we were still at uni and everything else sure and um, as uh, you may or may not know I was away in America for 26 years came back didn't recognize Alan he's really become an, an such an expert in pro-Israel um, affairs and politics both here in Australia um, as well as globally on behalf of Israel. So um, it, it was just amazing for me to see how people I had known before had uh, had also lived their lives quite yes. independently. So were you, um, you, how long have you and Alan been married? Um, since 1987. So yeah, coming up for what, what is it, 31 years? Yeah. Was he as involved in politics then or was he just starting? Not when we were married, no. I'd say, well, he was definitely, you know, Zionistic and had spent time in Israel and so on. But um, it was really something that grew um, more recently, um, his interest in, you know, developing that, that he sort of started with um, letter writing to the newspapers. And, you know, those were in the days when you could actually get published in... Um, newspapers like The Age and so on. And, um, yeah, you know, got so, together with a group of people. It was a coffee club thing. and Baby steps into politics yeah. where he is today, where he, I believe, he's chairman of an organisation called the Australian Jewish Association. Um, no, he's not actually the chairman. Um, David Adler from is the Sydney chairman. is the president and Alan is a director. Alan um, is the chairperson of another one that he started previously. So that was called Australian Voices for Israel. And that was um, sort of his first foray with um, a a few others into, you know, lobbying and and advocacy. And um, this is one of the things that really impresses me. There are a lot of armchair people who sit around and have an opinion and it's a good thing to have an opinion the fact that you're interested and involved is a wonderful thing but to actually then get up and do something about it write letters in itself it doesn't sound like a lot but it does it it, every letter helps yeah I you know I believe so I mean I think Alan and I pretty much on the same page if you like about 
that you know that if you believe in something you know you should stand up for it you should speak up for it and and, uh, and every little bit helps so you and and if you see that there's something you don't like rather than just sit around to complain just think to yourself well what can i do i don't like it absolutely yeah so taking responsibility taking action and uh, as nike says just do it um but it's it's so important and i think it actually adds another layer to your life as well when you feel that what you're doing is actually making even a little bit of a difference I think so. Yeah, I think I think it's important, you know, and then you're connecting with people and, you know, you're educating yourself, you're able, therefore, to educate others with, you know, the knowledge you've gained and so on. You were writing letters also. Uh, I write a little bit, not like (laughs) Alan, Um, sort of more involved on, you know, posting things on Facebook, which is a little bit easier than writing letters but um it's amazing the reach that facebook gives you globally yes it is you know and it's a very good you know tool for educating yourself about you know what is going on because um you know sort of uh, through alan i guess you know i've um really gotten more involved in israel advocacy and um um, particularly his work with the Australian Jewish Association and, you know, sort of helping out with that. And, you know, I'm very yeah. interested. And you actually, you were born here? Yes. And you went to uh, secondary school, you went through Mount Scopus? Yes, not all the way. I went to some state schools beforehand, but I did all the uh, high school at, at Scopus. So, yeah. Do you? How do you think of your days back at Scopus in high school? Now that you've that you're older and you've grown up, you've got a daughter. Um, yes. How do you remember those school years? Um, look, I made some good friendships. I'm still friends with you know a few people from there. Some girls. Um, it was look. Um, it was a very good school academically, um, and I, you know, really enjoyed that aspect of it. Did you take? Did you send your daughter there? Yes, so she went through from kindergarten, from Gandal Beeson, um, all the way through to VCE. And from the feedback you got from her as she was going through, she also enjoyed the experience. It was similar sort of things. Yeah, look, you know, we she was happy. Therefore, we were happy with Scopus. And Alan was a, an alumni also of Scopus. He went through from um, kindergarten when it was in St Kilda Road. So, you know, those were the days when they popped a five-year-old or four-year-old on a bus I don't know and sent them off um and uh yeah so yes I went to Scopus for a while myself and remember those long long bus rides yes out to the Burwood campus and back I think school was an easier time then without social media Probably, yes. I mean, I think it's just completely different now. You know, like there's a lot of, I don't know, bullying and all this sort of cyberbullying and stuff that, I mean, obviously we didn't have. Yeah, kids were mean, but it's nothing like uh, like the way they are today and the impact is nothing. Definitely, yeah. It can be a bit scary when you, you know. Because even though we were latchkey kids or our parents might have been working or not been at home or anything, it was still a lot simpler and easier than what it is today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, and then you went on to become a lawyer. I didn't realise that oh, when yes. I first met you. So okay. Was that my your hidden, dis- my, my <laughs> hidden past that uh, 
the proud uh, past, really, yes. to get into and and pass law is, is especially then, but even now, um, is pretty impressive. Yeah, so I did a BALLB at um, at Melbourne University, and yes, yeah, so I went on and practiced law for about oh probably about a year and a half after that, and then I decided I'd go to the bar, be a barrister. Um, and that I, always seemed so much fun to me to be a barrister. It, it really, a actually, was. So I did that in 1985, and yeah, I actually look back at that time as being sort of some of the really the best times of my life. The bar. Um, so it wasn't anything that your parents pressured you to do. Or no, they were really not keen on the whole. Um, bar thing they saw it as a bit free floating you know (laughs) um do you remember if you felt pressured by your parents to uh to do things or to um go in certain directions in terms of your life and not just what you studied but even when you were dating um so yes i look i guess my parents were they were pretty old-fashioned and when you think back what they went through so um sorry were you an only child no i have a brother i have a brother who's 13 years older than me so he was actually born in poland like straight after the war Mm. in 1946 so um and i was born here in melbourne so um and 13 years it's it was quite a significant difference so he went off to like study medicine and you know, in a lot of ways, it was like I was an only child in some ways, but then in other ways, you know, I did have the support of, you know, an older brother, um, which was really good. But yeah, my parents were, you know, they were pretty focused on education. Um, yeah, and there were a lot of those. I've, there's a 10-year age difference between myself and my sister. She's yes. 10 years younger than me. And um, it it makes for an interesting dynamic as you're growing up because they're almost like parents, but they're it is. not. It's almost like having, you know, like a second father, sort of like one, one level below because, you know, they're younger and more up with things. So, yeah. Do you, how do you remember him or how do you remember remember your relationship with him when you were a teenager yeah um so yeah I was a bit of a novelty (laughs) um and all these friends had come over and you know sort of just um you know I'd I'd be able to like comb his friend's hair and things like that which you know just because I was a little girl and um you know I was a novelty there um things like I remember a funny experience he used to I mean things were not um you know didn't live in luxury lived in Carlton and um Everybody my parents, did. Mm. My parents worked very, very hard at the Victoria Market. And, you know, they'd get up at 4.30 in the morning and go out to the market and set up the whole stall completely from, you know, from scratch. Like there was literally nothing there. Mm. And that would be my father, you know, standing on top of the truck, which was an old international, and throwing, literally throwing ropes over um, my father was literally about five foot tall. So this was an incredible feat. But, you know, like he he managed it and set the whole thing up with, you know. I think that height thing is a bit of a Zhelikov thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they'd take you and your brother with them on the weekends or? Uh, look, we were pretty well 
working, um, certainly my brother was, you know, like he'd be a doctor during the week and, you know, he'd go out and help on the market um, on the weekends and do stock buying and things like that, which was pretty incredible. And I also worked there. Look, I'd get up at, I don't know how I did it, to be honest, but get up at like 4.30 in the morning, um, go out with a driver. That was when my father was not well. Um, set up the stall, then take the tram and go to Melbourne University, mm. do a day of lectures, come back and do the whole thing in reverse. And then, you know, like we worked on Saturdays and Sundays. And it wouldn't yeah. have even been an issue. It's just something no, you had to do, something to you- help your parents and... You know, now kids complain about, you know, the tiniest thing. Yeah. I have told my daughter this story, but uh, I think she doesn't believe me. (laughs) It's something that they can't imagine. Like my mother used to tell me she was a piano player and she had to trek six miles in the snow and in the cold. Yes, like that story about, yes, in my my day I had to walk barefoot through the snow. Exactly. So uh, the kids of today, I don't know what their story is going to be for their kids. But it's just interesting to know that you really have got that tenacity when you need it. Yes. I mean, you know, I saw that my parents worked very, very hard and, um, you know, that and was important. your brother important. was helping out. Yeah. And, you know, it was just part of life. So, you know, you did what you had to do in order to get ahead. and You saw it as normal. That was yeah, just normal. It was, it was normal. Yeah. But, um you know, there was a, a big sort of Jewish community at the market. I mean, you know, a lot of things have been written about the Schmutter business and, and everything. And, um, you know, you felt like you were actually part of something, you know, the other stallholders. Um, yeah, so it was. And do you remember in the back when you were a lot younger and even in your high school days, the the sort of family life when they when your parents weren't at the market yeah most of their friends would you drive out somewhere for days over the on the weekends or um were the gatherings large family or family and friends and what we was didn't the atmosphere? have we didn't have a large family um but yeah they connected um mainly on um sundays and you know, they'd go to somebody's house for lunch or afternoon tea or, yes, you, you know, you would go to the country or something and then there were holidays and, um, yeah. And now your brother's married? Yes, he's married and he's got kids three, as well. three children who are all married and, yeah. So when you started dating and going yep. out, how did your relationship change? Was your brother very protective, was he? Um. Well, he was actually there, like, we were on holidays in Surface when um, I met Alan in Surface, even though he actually lived in Kew, um, and I lived in Kew, and we never, you know, and he went to Scopus, but I went to Scopus, but there was that age gap, so Mm -hmm. we never met, but we actually met in Surface, Um, and so my brother was one of the first people to, you know, get to meet him because that was so where he we got met. To approve. I think that they did approve. Yes. And what <laughs> was it about Alan? And when you started going out with him, did yep. you kind of know pretty quickly that uh, he might be the one you married? Um, 
Yes, I, I thought you might ask me this question, so I thought about it beforehand. Um, I was definitely interested from the time that I met him and um, I thought, oh, you know, nice what, guy. What were some of the qualities that you can, at the time you probably couldn't have told, answered this question, no. but now that you've been <laughs> married to him, what did you see in him in those early days? Um, he was very thoughtful and um, kind and interesting and, yeah, there was just like... Um, a calmness about him, which, you know, he still has that sort of, um, I don't know, call it maybe like a focused calm, mm. um, but just like a really good energy. Like a mensch. You could tell yeah, he was a mensch definitely. from the start. Yeah. And he fitted into, he and his family fitted into your family. Yes. Well, his parents had come here like separate, you know, obviously before they were married with their families before the war. Um, so it was actually sort of quite a big gap, you know, between their life experiences and my parents' life experiences. Mm. But, um, you know, they got on very well and, you know, they they so also spoke Yiddish yeah. like my parents. So, you know, that was, you know, in common. But culturally, you know, a lot more Australian and my parents obviously, you know, Polish. Yep, they got out at a, at a far better time. Yes. Um, but Yiddish, which is also one of my passions and favourite things, yes. <laughs> the Mamaloshin, is something that's just part, not only part of your background, but uh, you've also continue have continued to take Yiddish sure. as an interest further. Yeah, no, well, that's really one of the passions of my life. And um, so Yiddish was, you know, my first language. So um, then my parents sent me to E.L. Parrott's Sunday School, uh, sorry, E.L. Parrott's Kindergarten, um, and Not everybody spoke... Alechem. No, everybody spoke Yiddish and... Um, you know, and then I had to go to school, which was Princess Hill State. So I had to really learn English later. And I already was speaking Yiddish, obviously speaking to my parents. So, um, And my parents were very keen that I learn Yiddish properly. So I went for 10 years to um, wow. the same, the parrots Sunday school. And uh, that was... I wasn't thrilled in the beginning because literally I would apparently go, and I, I do vaguely remember this, hide underneath the couch every <laughs> Sunday morning and my mother would pull me out from underneath the couch <laughs> and sort of, you know, take me down there. And, um, you know, now I think, well, you know, it was amazing. It's amazing. So you had your own mind and personality from a very young age. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, wasn't going to go along. So, but anyway, um, and then I, you know, so I, I did the yeah. whole 10 years. I got the certificate, which I do have framed and hanging up on my wall. Um, and and the fact that Alan spe spoke Yiddish and his well, family knew as well. Well, he actually didn't. Alan really? is not a Yiddish speaker. He can understand a bit, but his parents didn't speak Yiddish to him. So, um, I was going to ask if you spoke in Yiddish when you didn't want your daughter to know, but I should ask now, does your daughter speak Yiddish so you could talk to her when you didn't want Alan to know? Um, <gasps> she learned Yiddish. Yiddish was offered at Scopus for a few years. I think oh. she... 
she did take it for three years and she was going to take it as far as VCE Yiddish. Um, in the end, she didn't in VCE and she did something else. But um, she hasn't continued with it. But I think that she would still be able to understand and, you know, write and, you know, like it's okay. No, so she's got, yeah. a, she's got that. Well, I imagine having you and Alan for parents, she's got that Yiddishkeit and Heimishness about her anyway. Yes. Well, I'm, I was, you know, really, obviously I didn't force her, you know, to take Yiddish, at, but I was, you know, very pleased when Scopus did, you know, offer it and she was able to do it and, and uh, you know, and follow, I guess, in you know, in the family's footsteps and, all you know, that. all of that. So yeah. when, um, Goldie, when you and Alan, how long did you date before you got married? Um, so we met, I think, in 1985. We got engaged in 86 and married in 87. So, yeah. Did he do a big romantic proposal? Or? He did a big romantic proposal at a restaurant, yes. <laughs> very nice. And he was very nervous. <laughs> Good on you, Alan. Yeah. And what about you? What were you thinking in terms of marriage and marrying Alan? Were you sure? You must. Uh, it sounds like you were pretty much in love. So yes, yes. And then the concept of marriage and being married to him. Um, I'd say definitely yes. <laughs> I didn't hang about uh, when he, you know, proposed. I, I just said yes. Um, I was sure that that was what wor- I wanted. Were yep. you worried or concerned about being married or you just felt that it was the next thing to do because of the way you felt about each other and just took it on without? Yeah, we were. look, we were in love and um, it was, you know, sort of the clear next step and, you know, haven't regretted it for and a then, moment. And um, then having the, the children, how long did you wait before you had your daughter? Um, so married in 87, Gabby was born in 1991, so like four, um, four years. And um, Was the first year or so challenging or it was just easy? Or Yeah, no, all good, you know. We moved into a, a flat we were renting and, um, you know, I was working as a barrister and everything was was good and um yeah we traveled a bit and so the the beginning of your marriage was a really solid sort of foundation were you finding they say it's give and take was there a lot of giving and taking or it was just order it it just flowed nicely it was pretty breezy i've got to say alan is very easy um to he's just easy to get on with to deal with you know um so yeah, it was all good, really. I would, ima- I would imagine he would be, but you never know. <laughs> and I wouldn't say so on radio anyway, but um, this is well, the truth. Yes. Um, so your dreams seem to have been working out from the time you were really a little girl, really, to what your parents had survived in Europe and then coming to Australia, being able to have a family and really a family with a brother and, and both parents and, and a great life. And, and Melbourne, Australia really was a very lucky place to come and be living in as well. Yes, especially like we haven't really touched on Carlton, but, you know, living in Carlton, which was, you know, so Jewish, you know, not locking your door, having, you know, neighbours and could play in the street, all of that sort of thing. Um, you know, it was very special, the shops, 
the all the stores, the shopkeepers. Um, yes, and Carlton was like Caulfield today. And it kind of moved, I think, because the yeshiva found a place here in the Caulfield area. So even if you weren't Orthodox or you weren't yeshiva, the whole community seemed to move over here. But it was a real community. Oh, it definitely was. It was, you know, like a really sort of special time to you know, experience that and... Uh, yeah, and you found in Alan somebody that had similar, definitely similar values and um, aspirations and dreams and um, you had a child, your little girl. Yes, had uh, Gabrielle, Gabby, as she's known, yes. And um, through that, your the pregnancy went well and everything, but there were a few challenges afterwards. Yeah, uh, kind of. Um, so, yes, you know, all great. And I worked up until eight months, uh, you know, with the pregnancy, all fabulous. But uh, and then after she was born, look, I, you know, I just didn't quite feel well and uh, thought that, you know, that was going to pass. But um, when she was about two, um, you know, I really was pretty ill and nobody knew what was wrong with me and it was that you were just feeling really tired all the time which would have seemed normal because you had a new baby yes but it was it was sort of more than that it was um yeah it it was clearly something more than that and that's the thing you know uh, because you were uh, a fairly happy positive person you had uh, you know your marriage was going well your career was going well you loved a lot of things about you you had a baby for goodness sake which was you know just adding to the joy adding to the joy tell me a little bit about what it was like feeling that there was something wrong but not being able to really share with anybody or pinpoint what it was um look um you know i sort of um you know went to doctors and it in my case, I mean, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, and that was um, pretty well when she was around about two, more or less. Um, I know some people have um, go for years without it being diagnosed by anybody. Um, I guess I was fairly lucky in that, you know, I saw a physician and they they did diagnose it so pretty can- much you know yeah. but even with the diagnosis because i remember when that diagnosis first started coming out there's this thing called chronic fatigue syndrome yes but everybody was working hard everybody was tired this was obviously a lot more than that because you had this bubbly happy two-year-old and you yeah. were still feeling tired so just talk a well, little bit about that and that interaction and what was going on with you with this with this chronic fatigue syndrome and how you were dealing with it especially with a little baby um well I mean, basically, I was laid up in bed. I mean, that was that was it. And it wasn't, you know, a question of willpower or anything because I had plenty of that. Um, but, you know, there was – it just overpowered you. Um, I've heard people compare it to, you know, having a flu, a hangover and having run a marathon. So it's, it's more than tired. It's more than exhaustion. Um, you know, different people have different symptoms with it. It's kind of like a bit of a cluster illness. So you can't sort of say that, you know, each two 
that two people are exactly the same with it. But um, so when you were in bed, well, you were sleeping a lot, and it was really just draining a lot of energy. Um, I was, you know, it it was even when you woke up from sleep, you didn't feel as if you had any more energy. I was actually so bad that you know, basically all I could do during the day was have a shower and go back to bed. I couldn't even, I recall this, I could not walk to my letterbox. Wow. Like, I couldn't. Um, It was, uh, and when at at my really worst, um, I just, you know, I didn't have the energy to lift a spoon. Like, And I don't want to dwell on this too much, but just very briefly, how did it affect your relationship with a two-year-old at the time? Um... Look, I, I couldn't sort of do the day-to-day caring of her that I wanted to do. Um, you know, we had to rely on a lot of help from others. Alan was amazing. Um, you know, he'd get home from work and have to bathe her and, you know, things like that. Um, and I'm assuming both sets of parents came in and Yeah, out. you know, all of that. And, you know, we had to have some people as well to do things because... It was, look, it was impossible for me. Now, I know that Alan was supportive throughout the, throughout as, as well. He was a pharmacist and he really understood yes. about these <clears throat> sorts of things. But did it affect your relationship with Alan at the time or how did it? Must have, but how did it? Look, it, it was a bit like a black cloud, you know, hanging over us because, you know, nobody really knew when it would pass, you know, how long this was going to go on for, what was going to happen next. Um, How long did it last? um, Look, I was bad for a significant period of time. A year, six months? No, it was more like years. Um, It was sort of like a gradual climb up where I could do more and more things um, and then sort of look back and go, oh, wow, you know. Um, I remember somebody coming over, a fellow who had actually had chronic fatigue, to give me a pep talk and he was better. Um, He was a fellow barrister, actually. And he said, you know, there'll come the day when you'll be able to walk to the corner. Well, the corner was, you know, I don't know, 50 metres or something like that. And then you'll be able to walk around the block and, you know, this kind of thing. And I thought, you know, at that point, little old ladies were walking <laughs> past me, you know, with walkers faster. It It's a very bizarre thing. It's very difficult to explain if you haven't actually experienced it Um and the important thing is that you do eventually come out of it. Um, well, do you think it was medication? Do you think it was time? What do you think? I think in my case it was time um, and, you know, like a lot of support and care and, um, you know. It, do you remember waking up one morning after it had passed and thinking, wow, I actually feel good? No, I don't think there was that delineation. It was just sort of like, okay, thank God that, you know, things, you know, are improving and are better. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, a file in your mind that you you close and you really just don't want to think about it because it's just like 
too awful. Um, having said that, look, we always made Gabby the priority during this really difficult time. Um, that, you know, what happened to me, I didn't really mind. But, you know, like I wanted her to be happy. I wanted her not to miss out on any of her, you know, plans with friends or whatever. So whatever, you know, it was all about sort of... Um, Making sure her life was as normal as possible. Exactly. And what about your relationship with her once you started feeling better? Did that start to change a bit? And well, you know, I was able to sort of spend more time actually like doing things like you know going to the park and things like that but you know she hadn't sort of missed out but you know maybe in some ways she missed out on you know I I guess a healthier me which you know like had from the age (laughs) of four or five yeah so um you know it was um what can you say? You know, she doesn't really remember. Does she remember? I shouldn't say that. Does she, in fact, remember that stage in her life or I th- not I really? Think, I think that she does remember it, yep. And, um, yeah, and probably there are sort of not some... Is it something she's talked about or said anything about or asked you about? Um, she talked about a little, um, yeah. But, um, you know, um, it, it's just... It's just one of those things, you know, life happens, things do not go smoothly necessarily and you just have to deal with it. And I guess what I learned, you know, out of, you know, that was the resilience and the fact that, you know, even when you think that you can't get through something, you can get through it and you, you know, eventually do. Um, and I learnt a lot of like coping sort of mechanisms and things like that. So, which just reinforced how resilient resilient you are. And you had a point of comparison also to how good life can be, both before, during, and after. Yeah, well, that's right. And um, what yeah, it's was, good again. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and it gives you an, a, you know, going through any times that are challenging and not great, but having those times it just really makes you appreciate the good times so much more that's right it must have been very hard for your parents and alan's parents in fact after everything that they've gone through and then to see you like that and then come out of it so just on the come out of it stage did you ever have a conversation with your mother or father where they just expressed to you what they were feeling when you were going through it no it was more like you know thank god you know that sort of thing you know thank god you're doing better and you know they yeah yeah that was very you know important to them and you know yeah so what are some of the things that you're doing nowadays that you really enjoy and would like to continue or start is there a bucket list but uh, what, what, what are you doing now that you really like? um so i'm doing you know weekly yiddish reading circle at the kadima um, which, you know, I really enjoy, sort of keeps up the the language and improves it. Um, thinking about joining a conversation class, actually. Um, we're helping Alan with the Australian Jewish Association. I do Australian that. Jewish Association is a fabulous, fabulous organisation. Yes. Please look it up if you haven't heard of it before. Is it AustralianJewishOrganisation.org, AJA.org? I just Google Australian Jewish Asso- Association. I think it is .org. Um, 
Yeah, so look, um, into sort of doing some, you know, exercise, trying to um, live healthy and going to Pilates and stuff. When you come out of Pilates and exercise, do you feel really good about it? Yes, you do feel very pleased with yourself. (laughs) Yes, I do anyway. Um, And yes, I look... Because getting motivated to even go is huge for some people. Sorry, huge (laughs) for me. Um, Once I'm there, it's okay. So that whole concept of of sort of being able to go there with a passion to start with is a good one. Yes, well, you know, it's all a a process, isn't it? So, you know... Absolutely. They say um, progress, not perfection, so... And what kind of things would you still like to do? Um, look, travel, you know, more. Um, I'm we didn't leave a lot of time, but we did mention that you went to Poland on yes. that family trip. Can you just talk a little bit about that? So um, there was How a... How did it come up? How did it come about? Who went on it with you? All of that it sort of It was basically thing. a family reunion that happened um, in September um, 2017, uh, uh, yes, not last year. And um, a cousin had found the tombstone of our great-grandfather um, on a digital website and he restored the tombstone and suggested a family reunion that we all come and be present um, on the day of the Yorotzeit. Wow. Um, and so I think there was 14 of us. We actually did that. That was in Warsaw. Um, so that was the culmination of the trip to for us to be present at the tombstone and pay our respects to the great-grandfather and, you know, light Yorotzeit candles and be there. And you have this amazing photograph of the family at the time of the... Um, yes. ...of the time of the burial. and 1920 and 2017. And 2017, uh, the next generation... And the um, some yes. of the same people, but also in the same positions and places. Well, descendants, we tried to position ourselves in sort of similar positions to, you know, where our ancestors stood in that photo with that. And um, it was incredible. And and we must also mention <laughs> Facebook has done some amazing things, but we c- there's an incredible guy yes, called Yes, I wanted David. to mention that. David yes. Lukowiecki. David Lukowiecki. Um, a Facebook group called um, Jewish, Jewish Jelachov. Um, so if there are any Jelachovers out there that are hearing this, um, <laughs> look it up, go on it. And uh, I think there's over sev- 700, you know, members now and people joining all the time. And he is doing, David, an incredible job. Amazing job. And we must say he's he's only in his 20s. He's only... He just got engaged yes. to a lovely American girl. But he was given, you know how your parents and grandparents say, you know, please do this, please, you know, remember. Right. Well, he actually took that, um, he actually took that 
to heart and seriously his grandfather gave him uh, that job to do to always remember and he's done I didn't actually know that yes Yes. and he's done over and above he's translating all the Yiddish um, memory books and uh, he's creating a street where he's doing a model where you can where people actually lived he's got their addresses and everything yes Uh, just an amazing job and we hope he's going to be in Melbourne and I'd love to interview him here when he comes yes he's he's really I mean it's just phenomenal you know anybody who wants to know anything about anything well certainly in our family he's the go-to guy but also for Jelahov and um, yes yeah and my mother's 85 and uh, he spoke to her by phone he's in Israel now yes I heard that and he knew more about the family than she did and he's able to fill in gaps and for her when I show her the photos and when I tell her about the a new bit of information that he's found about a relative that she knew from birth. It's just such a joy and such a pleasure yeah. that he really is just doing God's work. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I guy. think so too. I can't actually wait to meet him, hopefully in Israel, because that's where he lives. Yes. And, and we have, or you more closely, have a relative who is now. Paula is how old? Um, she's 106. Six. 106 years old, living in Melbourne from Zhelikhov. Just do the explanation of their uh, relationship. So um, it's my auntie. So that was my mother's sister. Um, she lives in Caulfield and um, she's a phenomenon. What can I say? Um, As is her daughter who you arranged for me to meet. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so... Auntie Paula, very low key, you know, she doesn't she doesn't like a lot of fuss, but you know, um, she's completely compassmentous and you know, still um, looking beautiful, and we're looking forward to the next birthday party, please God, and uh, and you know, we we'll all such celebrate a history. It really is the history of the, of the family going back to Poland and here we are not only were we not exterminated yes. but we've grown and flourished and to live till 106 really canina horror yeah and she, look she's still you know enjoying her life and um, interested in things around her which is an absolute blessing really Goldie thank you so much it's been thank really, you, Lily. really lovely speaking to you Hi, and, and thank you for keeping me up to date with what's going on locally